All right, so we're we're in First Corinthians chapter one, and we're we're looking at uh, been focusing in on verses eight, and and I didn't get to verse nine last time, <clears throat> but uh, I'll probably well we'll see. I think I'll get to it today. I had some some more things. I I I felt like I just had some more things on my heart that I wanted to say about the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. If if, if you remember, um, we talked about for any of you that may not have been uh, logging on uh, in the last few weeks, we talked about verse eight or or no verse seven where it says expect. This says eagerly waiting, but really it's expecting fully or expecting constantly. The revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless or without reproach in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we talked about how uh, the tendency of the natural mind is to make that make both of those things future natural events in a natural natural time or a natural day or something that we're going to experience with our natural body. And though I'm not really, I'm not trying to make any comments here about what may or may not happen in the natural realm in the future, that's not really my point to, to, to speak anything for or against that right now. My, my point, my desire is that we would understand that this expectation for the revelation of Jesus Christ and becoming blameless, becoming without reproach or established in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't believe Paul had, when he wrote that, I don't believe Paul had uh, any thought whatsoever about a future time or day. I don't think that was even on the radar for Paul when he wrote that. I believe what Paul was talking about was the, the great expectation and the great hope of the gospel, which is the soul's uh, ever-increasing revelation and, and spirit-given knowledge of Christ that based that that in, in, in reality causes the heart to live in, walk in, abide in the light or the day of the Lord, where the things that are not of the day, the things that are of the night, are progressively put off from us and they become dead to us and we wake up from them and we see them to be no more than dreams or fantasies that have no spiritual reality to them. And so we ended up last time spending most of our time just talking about the day of the Lord and and some things that I just feel like have to be have to be understood. The, the the day of the Lord is going to be misunderstood if we are searching for spiritual reality in the created realm or in the realm of shadows. And this is this is something we just need to come to grips with. Before there were ever natural days, before there were ever natural things, before there was anything physical, natural, temporal, created, made of material, before there was natural, there was spiritual. Before there was earth, there was heavens. There was spiritual substance. And the spiritual is 
the most real. It's the eternal. It's the substance. It's the never changing. It's the it's the reality. And everyone, in in a weird, kind of uh, superficial way, I think everyone believes that. But nobody, almost nobody, really understands or lives in the implications of that because we continue to seek spiritual things in in the measure that they touch or affect natural realities that's that's what we do i have this verse here hebrews 11:3 by faith we understand by faith we understand which is an interesting statement in and of itself because it doesn't say by faith we believe it says by faith we understand because faith is a spirit given understanding it's a it's a light that works in the heart but by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. And there goes the Big Bang Theory. But uh, but besides just contradicting all of man's uh, silly ideas about the origins of the universe, the, the point here is that the the created things were made by the word who is the Christ the word the, the 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 expression of the father the exact representation of his of his image the the created things were made to bear the image of unseen things things that are spiritually tangible spiritually concrete and yet physically invisible okay and and all of that is it's because god is this is what jesus says in john chapter 4 god is a spirit god is spirit and we don't like that about god and and and, and at first you might be tempted to say yeah i love that about god it, well i i i maybe you do maybe maybe you do but i would i would challenge you that maybe also you don't <laughs> because we don't, naturally speaking, humans don't really like spiritual things. We like believing in spiritual things or maybe talking about spiritual things, but we, we, what we really like is supernatural things. That's what we like. We like supernatural things because they amaze our natural minds, because they can benefit our flesh. They can benefit our natural lives, our natural bodies. But we don't like spiritual things because spiritual things are, don't really not really benefit the flesh, okay? They don't really benefit the natural man. They're just, they are what they are and they invite Christ, God as spirit invites us out of the first man, out of the earth, out of the old man, the old creation and the old covenant into a an an eternal experience for the soul that is spiritual, but it doesn't really fix or change or uh, improve the, uh, the the experience of our flesh, not really. For instance, what what good was what what good is spiritual life to your body? For Paul, it wasn't very good at all. You know, for for Jesus, it was it was it was horrible. For all the prophets, what what good they were seeing spiritual things? What good was it to their natural lives? I would argue to you, to, to to you that it was not good at all for their natural lives. In fact, it made their natural lives very uncomfortable. What good are spiritual riches to your natural bank account? Uh, for again, for the apostles, for the prophets, for Jesus, it, it, no good. No good. The Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. Paul lived most of his time in jails or on the road. 
um, he didn't have natural things. What good is spiritual? Here's one that uh, I, I feel compelled to say too. What good is spiritual truth to the pulpit, generally speaking? It is actually threatening to the pulpit, to, to what is mostly preached today. If people begin to just try to describe the measure of light that they have seen in the Spirit, by the Spirit, then you will see a mass exodus out of your church. People will leave. Uh, they might stay for a few weeks because it's interesting or different, but then they'll start to go. And they'll start to go because... We, we only like spiritual things to the measure that we think that they are blessing, protecting, helping, securing, increasing, whatever, natural things. That's, that's, what we, that's why we like spiritual things. We don't love to actually leave behind the natural realm, the natural man, the natural desires, the, mat, the natural everything, and come find our hearts alive in Christ, by Christ, and, and abiding in Christ, regardless of what we lose to the natural man and what we count lost to the to, to the first man, we don't really we don't really like that. What we like is to live in the flesh and 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 have things for the flesh and have a relationship with God that is beneficial to our flesh because we love our flesh we honestly do we love we don't know we don't actually very often know spiritual reality what we know are spiritual ideas and those spiritual ideas we like them to the measure that they sound beneficial to our natural man and i know i know that that's i i feel like that's just so obvious and so true and 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 I know it's kind of hard hard to say that or, or harsh maybe sounding, but I just really feel like it's a, it's totally true about all of us to, to a great degree and most of us entirely. We love our lives in the flesh and we love God because we love our ideas about God because of what we think He is either doing for our natural lives or will do in the future for our natural lives or will protect of our natural loved ones or whatever. That's what it, that's what it comes down to. And I'm not just talking about prosperity churches here, although I'm certainly including them. Pro, you know, the whole, pro, whole I, prosperity churches, that, that's, for me, that's kind of a contradiction. and, and It's kind of an oxymoron, but... Uh, when I say prosperity churches, I mean churches that, that preach and, and exist and fill pews for the very purpose of trying to use God to, to benefit the man that he actually rejects. Um, but I'm talking about even about good old you know Bible churches where the emphasis week after week is the thing that brings you back, the thing that makes you come and give, you know, 10% and dress up with your little bow tie and all that. The thing that makes you come is hearing every week how much God is going to bless you, bless your family, protect your body, save your marriage, get you out of debt, those kind of things. That, that those are the interests that God has with you. And, and frankly, you're tired of being in debt. And, you know, you had a big argument with your wife this morning. And, you know, your body has some kind of a, you know, whatever. I don't know. And, and you, you want God to, 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 to do those things. And so you and your, your family, you know, is falling apart, whatever. And, and so that appeals to you. And, and so you come and you sit and it, it interests you because, heck, you know, none of your other, 
you know, ideas have fixed your marriage. You know, watching TV hasn't done it, you know, and all of your spending habits are catching up with you. And heck, maybe God can fix this, you know, and, and, and that's that. See, and I'm not against any of those things. I think you should try to be out of debt and fix your marriage and protect your family and take care of your body. I mean, I, I'm but all those things are fine. But none of that is our salvation. Our salvation is being invited into the fellowship of the Son. And that's where we're going in verse 9, but I'm not done with verse 8 yet. So our salvation is being, I kind of want to launch into it, but our salvation is being invited into a fellowship between the Father and His Son. A fellowship that we don't even, it's not even our fellowship, it's the fellowship of the Son. And, and in fact, if your Bible says fellowship with the Son, that's actually not a right translation. It's literally, it, it, it says in some translations, God has invited us into fellowship with His Son. But it's really fellowship of the, the, the fellowship of the Son. But anyway, here's, my, here's what I'm trying to say to you. And, and I, I, I can't, I, I don't know that I can say it strong enough. Before there were natural created shadows there was spiritual substance and all natural shadows that god created everything that god has said with words everything that god has promised with prophecies and pictures and types and shadows that all of that in is is part of the shadows and it points back to the spiritual substance and the only place that you're going to find the reality, the true substance of any words describing God's blessings or promises, any words describing anything in Scripture, the only place where any of that becomes an actual fulfillment is in Christ in spirit, in the heavens. And I don't mean heavens, when I say heavens, I don't mean in the future. I mean in the realm, in the, in the reality of being in Christ. It's the only place where you're going fi- to find the fulfillment of the shadows in the substance that existed before the shadows. First, there was spiritual substance. And then, God made natural shadows that testify of that spiritual substance and then God created your soul put it in the realm of the shadows put it in the realm of the testimony and invited you out of one man into another out of one kingdom into another out of one slavery and into the, the, the another slavery He invites you out of the shadows into the substance because God is substance, because God is spirit. And we say, and then and then we start saying, but Jason, that's not practical. How is that practical? It doesn't help my problem. How is that interesting even? It doesn't touch my job. You know, how is that helpful? I still need to pay the bills. Um, How is that loving? God doesn't care about my current situation and 
And we, we've been spoon-fed this version of Christianity that is entirely for the benefit of the wrong man instead of seeing it as an invitation out of that man into Christ to learn to live in Christ and live by Christ and see by His light and live by His life and love by His love and relate in His Spirit. And so, you know, rather than pointing our hearts to the cross where we make an exodus out of one realm into another we in we invent these various and multifaceted forms of the gospel in order to, for for the entire purpose of trying to minister to the needs of human flesh to the needs of human lust to the needs of human fear that's what we minister we minister lies most of the time and again i know I can I can hear people saying here this here he goes again you know he just can't say enough you know critical things I I I I don't mean to be like that it's just you're shorting yourself you're 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 forfeiting a life you're 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 committing spiritual suicide by looking for a gospel that offers you something other than Christ as the reigning king and life and light and righteousness of your soul. If you're looking for Christ as just this sugar daddy that gives you things and protects your goodies and and looks out for your best natural interest and tries to cut you a good deal on the next car you're buying, you're, one of these days you're going to face the day of the Lord and you're going to see that all of that was the invention of human lust and human fear. One of these days you're going to have to come to see all things in the light that existed before natural days before there even was a natural sun you're going to have to see things in the light of the one who first separated the light from the darkness and said it was good now that's why i'm saying all this because before there was ever natural days before there was ever natural time before there was a natural sun and moon and stars to keep track of natural days or to keep track of natural time there was a light that was known of the Lord, that was known to the Lord. There was a light. And, and the light, there was a light that he separated from the darkness and he gave it a name. He called the light day. And then on the fourth day, three days later, he created the natural pictures of that day, the natural pictures of the sun, the types and the shadows, the sun, the moon, the stars, natural time but before he did any of that there was another light that he called day Genesis 1 5 he called the light day he didn't call the sunlight day he called the light before there was a Sunday do you see the implications of that what are the implications of that there's so many because to, to God, the thing that he wants to show you is the day that existed before there were ever days. He wants you to be a son of the day, to walk in the light of the day, to have that day dawn in your heart and live in the light and the truth of that day. A day that, that shines 10,000 times brighter than the sun. A, a day that makes the sun draw back in shame. A day that, 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 that shines out of the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
You see, all throughout the long night of Satan's reign and the sons of men, all throughout that long night, God was promising the dawning of a day that he knew. The day of the Lord. It's the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a light that shines from him. It's the day known to the Lord. It's the coming of a new light. It's the sun. It's a sun that never sets and a light that shines from his face and a day that increases and destroys all shadows and eliminates all enemies. It's a day that he knew. He separated it from the darkness in the very beginning. And all through the night of Satan's reign and the sons of men, he was prophesying about in that day, in that day, in that describing all the things that he knew would be a reality when souls came to live in that day. And then Jesus came and he said, now is the judgment of the world and now the prince of this world will be cast out. Of what? Of the new day. Of the new creation. Of the new man. John 12, 30, 31, 32, somewhere in there. There is a light. There is a day in which all shadows flee away. You know, just if you have a Bible program, on your phone even, just type in day of the Lord or in that day and just look at the hundreds of verses that come up in the Old Testament describing, especially in the prophets, there is a day that, that God knows, that God loves. He loves it. He loves the light of it. He loves the truth of it. He loves the nature of it. It's a day where the branch of the Lord, the living Messiah, is glorious and beautiful. And the fruit of the earth, the fruit that comes from his seed, will be excellent and appealing. I, have, I just wrote down here like five or six ones, just from, just from Isaiah, just from the first part of Isaiah, that I just, I just Googled it, or whatever, typed it in. There is a day where the, the sons of men, the redeemed of the earth, stream to the mountain of the Lord. There's a day, a great and terrible day, where the enemies of the Lord, they cannot stand and they hide themselves in the rocks of the earth and they cry out for the mountains to fall on them. There's a day when the low, the low and contrite are raised up and the proud are cast down, where the weak are made strong, where the, where the strong are brought to nothing. There's a day when all the idols of men are cast to the moles and the bats, and the root of Jesse, the root of, of Jesse, that is the, 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 the resurrected king, David, the, the Messiah, Christ, will stand as a banner to his people, and, a, and his resting place will be glorious. Where's his resting place? You're his resting place. In that day there will be a highway that opens up for the remnant of his people. And the redeemed of the Lord will find it. Though they're a fool, they'll still find it. And they're going to hear a voice behind them saying, this is the way, walk in it. And, and in that day there's going to be a sword, a strong great sword that punishes Leviathan, the twisted serpent. And in that day, there's the Lord of hosts. He will be a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty to the remnant of his people. And we could just go on and on and on. What is the day? Do you really think, think about this, friends, do you really think that that day could possibly be a natural day? Or that any of those things could ever be fulfilled in your life, in your heart, in a natural day? 
even if, it, even if all those things somehow God crammed those events into a natural day, do you know that they'd be here one day and gone the next? You know that you could, you could, you could sleep through that day. You could miss that day. You could, you could enjoy that day and then miss it after. I mean, afterwards have nostalgia about it. It's not that kind of a day. It's a day known to the Lord before there was ever, uh, ever shadows. What is the day of the Lord? The day of the Lord is the light of the Lord. It is the, you could say it's the view of the Lord. It's what He sees. It's the truth that shines in His own heart and shines out of His heart into the hearts of men who will receive it. It's, it's, a, it's the shining of His reality and light and, and life into the darkness of man's fallen, twisted hearts. It's, it's the living light. In Him was life, and the life was the light of man. And, and without the, that life in man, then He not only has no life, He has no light. He walks in perfect darkness. And, and men, the natural man, he, he cannot see beyond created shadows. He cannot. With natural faculties, all you can see is natural shadows. And yet there was a day, a light, that was before those shadows, that was before those pictures, that was uh, before all of the promises and prophecies ever existed. There was a day known to the Lord. It's a great and terrible day. It's great to to those who are purchased of the Lord, redeemed and purified and emptied out of all of the, 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 the residue of the night and the dreams of the night that stick to our unrenewed mind. It's a great day to those who have been called and and justified and glorified. It's a terrible day to those who make their stand, who take their stand in the dead, chaffy, judged Adamic man. To those who try to hold on to that man, it is a horrible day. It's it's a day of darkness to you. It's a day of judgment. It's It's a... and it will be that, it will be that on all, it'll be one of those two on all of the sons of men. It is, it is a great and terrible day. Everyone who takes their stand in the man that God has rejected, even if you, I mean, it's almost, you could say, especially if you try to Christianize that man or or fix him in a way that is not crucifying him and giving him a, a completely new life. You that day to you will be a great loss. That day to you will be a great surprise. It's like the the prophets say, "Why are you longing for the day of the Lord? You shouldn't long for it. You should run from it. You, you, it's it's going to be a horrible day to so many, so many that have put their confidence in 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 empty notions and ideas and concepts." Christian uh, uh, platitudes and, and memorized verses that don't have the living light reigning in their soul. That that day is going to be a thief in the night. It's going to surprise them. It's going to come upon them unaware. And it's going to rob from them everything that they thought that they had in the dark. Well, that's something of the day of the Lord. Where does that day dawn? It dawns in the 
it dawns in the only place it can. It can't dawn in the natural realm. How could that day ever come upon you with time externally? Of course it couldn't ever. It dawns the only place you can see it. It dawns where light makes a change. It dawns where darkness reigns. It dawns in your heart. It, it, the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. And then you become sons of the day, sons of the light. And, and someone says, well, aren't there a bunch of verses that talk about the coming day, the day coming? Yeah, or the day approaching? You bet there are. There's a bunch of them. And it is coming. It is coming upon all flesh. And everybody has to face it. Everybody. Nobody's going nobody's gonna to not face the day of the Lord. Everybody has to be confronted with that light. And it will declare exactly. The day declares. 1 Corinthians 1.3 The day declares. It declares with fire. That's what it says. 1 Corinthians 1.3 I wrote down the verse somewhere in here, but I don't have it here. It declares with fire. It declares each one's work. The day will declare it and it will be revealed with fire. Now, everyone has to stand before the day of the Lord. But let me tell you something. With all my heart, I, I want to say to you, better now, <laughs> better now than later. Better now when you can still come out of the night. Better now when you still have time to leave Egypt before the Red Sea closes back up again. Better now when you can still run out of Sodom, when the angels are pulling your hands and trying to get you out of there. Better now when, when the Lord is saying, get out of Babylon and touch no unclean thing. Get out of Adam. Get out of slavery. Get out of the man that upon whom is coming the full condemnation of, of, of the Lord. Get out. Escape from the wrath to come. Better now, better sooner than later. Because if you love that day, if you long for that day more than the watchman looks for the morning, if you, if you love that day, if you love His appearing, if you're one of those, Paul says, that loves His appearing, then you can follow His light out of the night, out of the dark, out of death and into life. And you, 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 can, you can find your way out by His light. You can follow it out. Whoever loves the light comes into the light, Jesus says. John chapter 3. Whoever, if, if you love the light, most people hate the light because it just shows them what they are. And who wants to see that, you know? just It's just as good for me to just believe that I'm better than my neighbor and maybe better than most Christians or whatever. Who wants to see the light that shows you that you're an absolute spiritual zero, that you're spiritually bankrupt, that you're empty, that you are by nature a son of wrath, a child of the devil? Who wants to face that light? Better just to pretend that I'm doing okay. Well, those who love the light come into the light where everything is seen clearly and, and, and every work that is done in the light has been wrought in God. But whether you love the day and, 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 and turn your heart to the dawning of that day and let the night be spent that the light night pass away in you as First John says, the night is already disappearing in, in you. 
if, if, or, or whether you hide from the day, which is which is what most do. They hide from it with in their in their distractions. They hide from it in their love for the world. They hide from it in their theologies. They hide from it. They hide from the day. Sooner or later, the day. Oh, here's that verse. The day each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, and it will be revealed with fire. The day will declare it. The desire of the Lord is that you, going back to this um, this section of 1 Corinthians that we're talking about, the desire of the Lord is that you expect constantly the revealing of Jesus Christ, which is the sun, which is the rising of the Son of Righteousness with healing in His wings, that you expect constantly the revealing of Jesus Christ, so that you can be without reproach, without spot, without flesh, without wrinkle, without stain in the day of the Lord. Because if you're if you're one of the ones, if you're actually looking for the day and loving his appearing then then you'll find that that day has an effect it has an effect it's not it does something the day does something in your heart it doesn't just change your theology it doesn't just make you say wow that was a great sermon i'll hope try to remember let me write a couple a couple a couple points down there it doesn't it doesn't that's not what the day does the, you, you'll drop your pencil when you see the day You'll 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 forget your notebook because you don't need to remember with that mind. The day has an effect, and 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 you know what? It's the same effect that you see in the sha- in the natural realm. What happens when the day what happens when the day dawns? It it dispels dark. It removes darkness. It actually kills something, something that filled everything. It, it, it kills darkness. Something that controlled the way you saw everything. Darkness. It. It, it 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 causes you it brings life it removes death it causes you to grow you grow in the day everything grows in the light everything grows in the in the day nothing nothing grows at the night no work can be done at night jesus said that nothing grows at night nothing happens at night nothing good just revelry drunkenness and 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 sleep and i'm speaking figuratively there and, and let me ask you this question because this was on my heart this morning as i was thinking about this have you followed the light out of Adam's gospel, but not out of Adam's world? Think about that. Have you followed the light? Because I know this, this applies to some people. Have you followed the light out of Adam's gospel, but not out of Adam's world, Adam's ways, Adam's customs, Adam's knowledge, Adam's desires, Adam's worship, Adam's involvement with Adam's things have you have you seen enough light to realize that there's a wrong man-centered gospel out there that is pervasive and yet have not followed that light out of everything that Adam has created and everything that or, or at least are you not even are you are you so interested in proclaiming a false proclaiming the true gospel versus the false gospel that you're not coming out of the, the false man into a new man that question was sitting on my heart this morning as I was looking through these notes. I'll tell you what, the light does a whole lot more than show you a true gospel. It starts there because you don't 
because you have to have a true gospel to, to even know what the Lord is offering you and know what he what his solution is to the problem to even know and understand the problem you have to have a true gospel but God isn't primarily trying to change your theology he's trying to transform your soul into the image of his son he's trying to call you out of all of Satan's darkness not just his perverted gospel Jesus says in John 11, I think I, I think I mentioned this verse last week, John 11, 9. Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Well, the great news of the true gospel is that the Lord fixed that problem. He fixed that problem because the one that believes in the light becomes a son of the light and a son of the day. And that's what he goes on to say in the next chapter. He says, then Jesus said to them, a little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. Clearly Jesus is speaking He's not speaking about natural time, natural events, or natural light here. He's, he's using the natural 12 hours of the day and the natural light to speak of a far greater reality. That, that, that should go without saying. That should be obvious to us reading this. He's talking about a spiritual light, a spiritual day. Natural days come and go. And, and, and friends, again, whatever I, my, my point is, is, is not to um, change theologies or eschatologies, but... Whatever natural event you're convinced may you, you may be waiting for, whatever natural event or, or understanding, whatever pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, pre-wrath, post... I mean, there's so many versions of that. Whatever it is, you think you understand. That event will come and go. But there is a day known to the Lord that never ends. There is a sun that never sets. There is a city that has no need for the sun because the Lamb is its light. That's what I'm trying to tell you this morning. Regardless of what you believe about natural days and calendars and events... The world is fixated on those ideas, primarily because we don't know and walk in the day of the Lord. The most exciting thing we can think about in Christianity is what we think might happen in our natural lifetime. And that is so horribly sad. Generations have gone by since the the Apostle Paul wrote this. And if their expectation was in a natural event that they might have seen in their lifetime, which they unfortunately didn't see, well then they had a misplaced expectation because those events did not come to pass for them. But if their expectation was fixed fully on the revealing of Jesus Christ so that they could walk and be blameless in His day, well then I I bet you anything that they had a very fulfilled expectation. One that was more and more fulfilled every single natural day that passed. 
So let me say it to you in the words of Isaiah. Isaiah 2, 5. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Or Isaiah 60, verse 19. The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, give light to you. But the Lord will be to you an everlasting light, and your God your glory. And your sun shall no longer go down, nor shall your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and the days of your mourning shall be ended. I don't think I can get any clearer than that. I, I didn't write that. Uh, Isaiah did, 750 years before the day dawned, the day into which Christ raises up your soul, the day in which He lifts you up, raises you up, and seats you in Himself, the new day, the dawning in the resurrection of a day that was known to the Lord since before the creation of natural days. Isaiah saw that day. Abraham saw that day and was glad. He saw it coming. Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the day. Jesus says that, John chapter 8. Abraham saw my day and rejoiced and was glad. And they said, "How could what, you're not even 50 years old and Abraham saw your day? What are, you, what are you talking about? There was a day that Jesus was talking about there that he understood very well. They picked up stones to stone him when he talked about that. He knew the day that Abraham saw. Abraham saw it from afar, but Abraham walked in it by faith. We can see it far more closely than Abraham. We can see that day dawning in our hearts, a day that is a man, a day that a light that shines in the face of Jesus Christ in our heart. We can say to each other, come house of Jacob. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Uh, I have a couple comments. I, I don't know. I, I have this. The next, the next verse here is where it says, "You were called into the God is faithful." Uh, how does he say it? God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son. I don't have. I just have a couple minutes here that I want to just say a couple introductory things, and we'll pick up with this next week. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of the Son. Again, fellowship of the Son, not fellowship with the Son. Both are true, but one is the one is what Paul wrote, and the other is not. And the reason it's important is because I believe that this is an invitation into a fellowship that we don't own. It's a fellowship that we're invited to partake of. We're invited into it. It's a fellowship that is... That, that it has existed before we existed, and yet he's inviting us into that fellowship, and he's faithful. Why does, why does Paul say he's faithful here? What, what does that refer to? Why did he stick that in there? I believe it's referring to what he faithfully does to those who expect constantly the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ and who long to be blameless, in, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who long to be blameless in the day of the Lord. What does he do? He starts the work and he brings it to fulfillment all the way to the full day of the Lord. That's what he does. God is faithful. Faithful to do what? 
faithful to, for those who are looking for his light, he's faithful to have that light dawn and fill up and kill all the shadows. That's what he says, and I'll, just, I'll read this verse and we can stop, but Philippians 1.3, you all you all know this verse and it's, I think, misunderstood also for the same reasons. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. For, the, for your fellowship in the gospel. This is the same fellowship that Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians. The fellowship in the gospel here is the fellowship of the Son. From the, from the first day until, until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until or unto the day of Jesus Christ. It's the exact same thing. He, the one who started this work in you, the one that called you into this fellowship, is faithful to bring about the goal, the end, that you stand blameless, that you stand without reproach in the the fullness to complete the work of the day to complete the day's work to complete it so that you can stand and rest and and stand secure without reproach blameless in the in the full day of Jesus Christ all right i'll stop with that